Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I have Mark with me as usual. How's it going, Mark? It's going good. Cool. And today we're going to talk about the better countries to live in as an online entrepreneur. Now, this is something that we talked a little bit about when we talked about making lifestyle changes as uh, to actually set yourself up for success. And actually, on the way back to the gym today, I was calculating how much living in Budapest costs me. And that is living in a three-bedroom apartment in a city center, plus having a private chef, plus having a private trainer at the gym, etc. So having a pretty cool lifestyle. And actually with my girlfriend and I, so both of us, food for both of us and training for both of us and the apartment, in total, we come just a little under $2,000 a month. I think it's like $1,897 for everything. And if you wanted to get the same thing in, say, like New York or Paris or something, I think the cost would be way above like six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month to get the exact same thing that we're getting. So yeah, like four or five times the price easy. Yeah. And so I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing to talk about in terms of like picking a country that obviously applies to people when they have the mobility. So hopefully they are not with someone who has a job or they're also with someone who actually is willing to, to try to make an online income with them, which is what happened. With my girlfriend, actually, she actually just graduated and we figured it out for her. And I think there should be a podcast episode about that at some point. But it is something that will make you have a much nicer lifestyle without necessarily spending a lot of money, without you know spending all the money you're making from your sites. And in that case, you know, like the, our cost of living, because we split the cost, is like, for me, I, I could cover my cost with like half of one affiliate program, of what one affiliate program makes us per month. It is a pretty good place to be in. When people actually pick a different country to live in, and we're going to go into like the actual countries, but let's just talk about what to look for. Like, What should people look for when they have to, well, or at least when they want to pick another country, a cheaper place to live in and have a good lifestyle, which I think it's not mutually, it's kind of mutually exclusive, you know? Okay, so there's various things to look for. In general, the two main things are enjoyment and cost. But there, there's a few sort of nuances in there, so I'll just go through them one by one. Definitely the first one, uh, certainly if you're starting out, is going to be cost. You can, as you said before, you can save a lot of money, like seriously a lot of money, by living somewhere much cheaper, living abroad. If you're currently living in the United States or somewhere Western Europe, as I guess most of our, not all, yeah, but most of our listeners of are, people, yeah. then you are paying like three, four times the price for most things than, than you can pay in, in, in other locations. Now, that's not to say that if you move to Eastern Europe or Southeast Asia or South America or some of these places that you're going to save Three or four times the money, exactly. Your costs are instantly going to be three or four times lower. It's not quite, quite, doesn't quite work like that. And it depends on so many different factors. But just know that in general, there is a lot of money 
that can be saved. And there's a really good site. It's called numbio.com. We'll post a link in the show notes. And it basically has, I think they have like sort of user aggregated data and they compare various cost of living points on different cities around the world. But they compare like lots of different things, like the cost of an imported beer or the average cost of a buying. I use it a lot actually, yeah. Yeah, buying like a apartment in the city center and they have all these different comparison points so it gives you quite a good feel i would say it's not completely accurate it's a bit outdated most of the time you know yeah it does give you a good feel for for what things are going to be like though in in general i think so yeah in general the expensive places around the world are the united states canada western europe including the uk and then the Far East, like South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Hong Kong, and then Australia. There are other places which are very expensive, like Luanda in Africa, but I don't think too many people do. Yeah, it's yeah. not it's not where most of the people that listen to us are. If you are, feel free to drop a comment. And by the way, you can find the show notes on authorityhacker.com slash 17, which is the number of this episode. It's going to redirect you to the show notes. So authorityhacker.com slash 17. So, yeah, the first thing you want to look for in terms of cost is how much is your accommodation going to cost. So you can either stay in an apartment that could be sort of Airbnb style. A lot of Airbnb landlords offer monthly rates or if you contact them. You can negotiate a lot, yeah. Offer monthly rates, yeah. So Um, just just for that, it's like I actually contacted like uh, the guy that we rented like our villa in Phuket for. Well, before we went there, and actually managed to save forty percent just by asking. So it's it's worse when you're gonna stay for more for four weeks or more. Send you a message and try to get a discount because it's very very easy to get a big big cut in the prices, and it becomes quite competitive. So just a little tip here. Yeah, and you can also find usually you actually find the best place to find accommodation is actually once you get there, rather than online. And just speaking to other people who like other sort of online entrepreneurs or digital nomads, whatever you want to call them, who are living there will be able to put you in touch with the best places because it can be very difficult to find a good place, you know, remotely online. You usually get overcharged and you'll never really know how good it is. Yeah, I think one thing as well is is, uh, you don't know which districts are cool and not cool and where you want to actually be because it's like one of the perks of going into a city is to you know be walking distance from everywhere not having to take the metro for half an hour or something and you usually you don't know these things until you actually know the city so i would recommend you take like a cheap hotel or something for like a week and then figure it out that's the best way yeah so the other other cost points you need to consider are how much is your your food going to cost it can be again it can be a bit difficult to figure that out remotely and there's other things the food which you eat there may not be what you're used to. So if you go to Walmart and buy, I don't know, microwave lasagna every day, Ew. then <laughs> you're, you're most likely you're not going to get the same kind of food. You, you, might, you might die much sooner as well. Yeah. I mean, a few examples here. So the food in Thailand is very cheap. However, the cheap food is the Asian food. So if you're not into spicy chicken and curries and rice and this kind of stuff, then you may actually be paying a bit more for your food. Quite there. a lot more, like um, double or triple, I would say. Uh, yeah. And and one thing I want to say is like it sounds fun to say I'm gonna eat Thai every day, but after two or three months it gets really tiring actually. And I actually see our cost going up quite a bit. 
Yeah, and you can also get quite fat in it because it's quite uh, heavy yes. food. So. so aside from that, other cost factors are things like entertainment. So what are you actually going to do when you're not working? Are you going to travel around the place? Are you going to go, I don't know, shopping to the cinema, to the beach? Like, What, what are all the drinking? What are all these, these things and how much are, are they going to cost? You can factor those things in. Travel around the area is, a, is, is one thing, not just within the city, like whether you take public transport, Uber, take taxis. I mean, some countries like in Thailand, it's cheaper to take a taxi than it is to take public transport in London. Just to put that into perspective, it's like... Uber makes it cheap in many places as well. Yeah, it's really, really inexpensive. So taxis can actually be very affordable in some parts of the world, not to mention get you there much faster in some cases. Travel. So this is in Europe and in Asia and I think in South America now as well. You can get really, really, really inexpensive flights on these, uh, a lot of these budget airlines like Wizz Air or Air Asia, Ryanair, these kind of airlines. In some cases, like under 50 bucks for like a international flight. So that, that can be a huge saving if you do plan on traveling around while, while you're there. And one of the most important things is communication. So how much is your internet going to cost? Are you going to need to buy 3G cards to supplement it? These kinds of things. How often Um, is it going to drop off? Yeah. Internet speeds in some parts of the world, you'd be surprised. They're they're usually better than they are in in Western Europe, at least. I, I I hear the internet's pretty bad in most parts of the US as well. But in Budapest, where we are now, for example, for five years, I've had a 120 megabit connection and it's like 30 bucks a month. Yeah, Um, I actually paid 10 bucks for that as well now. Yeah, you can get like gigabit connections now here, no problem. So not everyone has that, obviously, but it's very inexpensive. I think just because the infrastructure has been built a lot later, so it's much more modern or something like that, I'm not quite sure. That's what it is. So once you sort of figured out costs and you need to sort of do your own budget, you know, what are you, how much savings do you have? What are you going to make? How much is it going to cost you? All that kind of stuff. But like plan a monthly budget plus emergencies for extras. You know, you need to make sure you have travel insurance and medical insurance and all this stuff which you, which you need. You don't want to be lapped with a 30,000 pound medical bill if you break your arm or something. That's not cool. So just be careful with that. But you need to consider, I guess it's called like accessibility. So this is more to do with like visas and passports and, and that kind of stuff. So, and again, this depends entirely where you're from and what passports you hold. If you're American, you can stay in Europe for three months out of every six months, but that's it. Then you got to leave. Now, that being said, <laughs> many Americans can actually get uh, citizenship and passports in many European countries. It really depends on like your ancestry and like each country has its own weird set of rules. But if you investigate, it's not actually that difficult. And even if you don't have any sort of European ancestry to get, what do you call it, like a, a residence permit, not permanent residency, but like a two-year residence permit is pretty straightforward in Eastern Europe in like Hungary or some of these countries. I know a lot of people who who do this. For example, you can claim to be studying the language. And then there's all sorts of dodgy things go on over here. For example, like you pay one of the language schools like a hundred bucks and they'll give you a form saying you're going to study there for two years or something like that. I mean, I'm British, so I don't need to do any of this stuff, but yeah, um, this is, I, this is central. Europe. You can still bright these, your way these, around a little bit. These things happen a lot in these kind of countries. You'd, you'd be amazed. 
um, even when you're trying to do stuff legally, like acquire a copy of your grandfather's birth certificate, like more often than not, you'll have to pay someone off just to get a, a real copy of that. Um, there's all sorts of crazy stuff happens here, but basically, gen- like a general, informal way of tipping, you know? Yeah, generally, you can actually get stuff done, though. It's 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 not too bad. In places like Thailand and Southeast Asia. There's a lot of options there for sort of extended visas. And generally, if you're the kind of person that's going to be coming there, you're not going to be working, i.e. you're not going to be taking a job from a local person. You're working online, which actually in Thailand, the government said they're, they're cool with that. You can do that on a tourist visa. You're spending money in their country. It's a good thing that you're there. You're a bonus to the economy. So generally, a lot of countries will make it easy or provide options for you to stay for longer. So you just really need to do a bit of research online and ask uh, sort of other people in similar situations how they sort of overcame it. And you'll find that in almost every country, there's a way for you to stay there for a long time. So yeah, you just got to sort of do your research. One other thing to consider as well is how female-friendly, if you're a woman, how female-friendly the country is. This can be a bit tricky in some places. So I wouldn't, for example, recommend you go to Saudi Arabia. That would be, I don't even think you would be allowed to go there as a single woman just because there's like, fucked up or whatever i don't know but like i really you you gotta goes out clear rating yeah you gotta be careful with this a little bit in gen i mean i'm obviously not female so i haven't really experienced these things but in general the world's a very safe place but just ask other people what their their thoughts are and like look for sort of information about the, the place you're going as I said, the world's generally a safe place and you won't have, generally you won't have too much problems if you take like the basic precautions. I know that nomadlist.com, yeah. which is a really good site for sort of evaluating the best, best cities to go for, has like a filter where it can, it shows you like how female friendly it is. I'm not sure what that's based on, uh, what statistics. Just feedback, I think. Uh, yeah, it can be a help anyway. So check that. Be sure to check that out. And yeah, the other thing is like, how easy is it to get there and to get back? So, or to get around to other places. So, again, if you want to go to, I don't know, Hawaii or something, it's pretty easy to get to. But once you're there, like it's it's far away. Like you can't really do much while you're there. Whereas if you come to, I don't know, Barcelona and Spain, there's like 15 other countries within like a one hour or two hour flight from where you are. So think of that as well. Next factor is work environment. So. This is what you're going to be. You're going to be working online for you know most of the day, most days per week. Yeah, you have to walk. You know, people forget sometimes when they travel. Yeah, it's not a holiday. <laughs> so you need good internet. It's essential. Some places just have terrible internet. Like, don't go to Cuba. They don't really have internet there, or it's very, very expensive and restricted. So Google Apps doesn't work there, for example. Uh, there's a bunch of countries. I think like Iran as well is another one where. Google Apps doesn't work. It's something to do with... Even China. I mean, think about China and Google. China's actually probably the best example. Like, Facebook doesn't work in China. So if you're doing any Facebook ads, you're out of luck there. Even, I think, like, Twitter and, like... Yeah, yeah. I I mean, like, Twitter is blocked in Turkey, for example, as well. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They blocked it because politicians didn't like what people said about them. (laughs) It's crazy. I didn't even know that, but like, check these kinds of. I'm going to Turkey next week, actually. <laughs> well, you no gotta, Twitter for you. Got to check these kinds of things before you go. 
in many cases, there are workarounds like using VPNs and stuff, but my experience using VPNs in China hasn't been that good. Yeah. They tend to be quite unreliable. And like, if they work, they're pretty slow and that kind of stuff. I mean, it's pretty known. It's like it's not, it's not exactly rocket science for the VPN is in China. They can spend quite a bit of money figuring it out. Yeah. So just do your research on these kind of things before you go. How good the internet is, how fast the internet is. Again, nomadlist.com has a a good sort of. I think it has, shows you like the average internet. Speed. Yeah. The problem is like when you land in a hotel and they have like a two megabits per second internet, when the average in the country is like fifty. That does happen a lot. So what I would recommend as well is that you check for like kind of like co-working spaces around where you're staying because there's a good chance, even McDonald's, worst case, because there's a good chance that, especially if you're doing short-term accommodation, they have a terrible internet. Yeah. Always before you uh, stay somewhere in Airbnb or anywhere really, any hotel, I always email them and ask them, how good is your internet? And I ask them to go do like a speed test.net scan just to evaluate their internet yeah, send and, screenshots. and send screenshots and if they don't do that then maybe they got something to hide but most airbnb hosts will be more than willing to to do that if you explain it in fact it's so weird airbnb need to have like a field in their thing that's what i was thinking internet, they actually just need to speed. plug the api in and actually give the internet speed up a place they would make so many more sales yeah so anyway there's there's internet speed you also need to look at 3g speed as well or 4g depending on where you are, because it's been my experience in Thailand especially, the internet in some of these islands can be a bit sort of ropey, shall we say. You can have a few hours blackouts every now and then. Even electricity, actually. (laughs) Yeah, although not so much these days, but yeah, it can happen. But with internet, a lot of these countries have very, very, very good 3G and 4G. And you can, as soon as you arrive at the airport, you can get a SIM card for like a few dollars with, like I went to Kiev in Ukraine a few weeks ago and I bought a a SIM card with a a gigabyte of data and it was like two and a half dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. So it's just very cool to be able to jump on 3G if you're in the middle of a Skype call and your internet drops, things like that. In terms of workout environment as well, look for other digital nomads or other sort of online entrepreneurs. And you can you can find these communities all over the place and certain forums, Facebook, even places like Couchsurfing and that can, can no, help. Nomad List has a chat thing as well. You can actually join a chat and connect with people where you're going. Actually. Oh, cool. I see, they have a, I see they have a forum as well. Yeah, Nomad they have it on Slack, so actually. It's kind of weird, but, but uh, yeah, you can actually join in and, uh, and connect with people there. It's also like just fun to just go to a place and meet people who do something you're doing there and you're going to make a lot of connections and they're going to show you around. So it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Also look for co-working spaces. Even if you don't intend to work in a co-working space, tend to work in an apartment or whatever, co-working spaces can be really good for meeting other people and they can be an indicator of, of a big community of people out there. So places like Chiang Mai and Thailand have dozens of these <laughs> just because there's so many of like online entrepreneurs working in Chiang Mai and Thailand. So look for these as an indicator of where people might be hanging out. And the final thing really is kind of down to you. Like look for enjoyment or fun. Like what are you looking for in in your life? Like besides somewhere cheap and perhaps warm. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Check the weather before you go. But like what are you looking for besides somewhere cheap to live? Do you want to sort of live on a beach as like a tropical island kind of thing good for you? Are you looking to party? Maybe in that case, like a city would be better or one of these like 
Thai beaches that has all these full moon parties going on? Or are you looking for something more relaxing, like quality of life? Are you into sort of meditation retreats and getting a massage every day, this kind of thing? In that case, some places in Asia can be really good for you. Or are you looking to travel a lot while you're there and just explore the world? In, in which case, pick somewhere which has cheap flights uh, around the region, around the continent, and you'll enjoy that a lot more. So, But this whole bit is really down to you. I mean, if there's somewhere you've just always kind of wanted to go, like follow that instinct and figure that out. And uh, usually you have a good time there. So that's, that pretty much covers it in terms of like what to look for. Is there anything else you can think of, Gil? Not really. I mean, just I just wanted to like ask a quick question, which is like, how productive can you be when you travel like that? It really depends on the individual. I find I'm less productive because I don't have my routine and my desktop yeah. computer and all these kind of things. But it, it's not much less productive. It's like, I don't know, 75% of what I would be otherwise. But I also find that like I feel much, I don't know, like much more relaxed. I think uh, it's an anti-burnout thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, you give up a bit of productivity for a bit. But in exchange, you you know you make your life interesting and you give sense to what you're doing and where you're walking so hard. And when you go back home, it's it's easy, it's motivating. Yeah, you kind of you want to get when you come back, you're like motivated to really get back into it and like do do lots of work. Because we live in Budapest, when if we go travel somewhere, it's actually more expensive to go travel. Yeah. But if we were living in London, say. It would be cheaper for us to travel. I'd probably to move out if I lived in London, but yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, Let's talk about actually actual countries. Like, what, where do people go? So let's talk about choosing options. And I think you want to talk, start talking with nomad list, right? Yeah. So like the the again, this nomadlist.com is a really good place to go to sort of figure out places to to live. There's lots of people have inputted lots of data into it and it can give you lots of ideas. Don't just base your entire decision on this, but use it as a as a sort of starter. And then obviously do your research beyond that. But I just sort of go through the continents and talk about a few of the different places. So let's start with North America. Actually it might surprise you, but there are some places in the US which are actually okay for this kind of thing. Fort Lauderdale in Florida is actually rated number 10 on Nomad List. So I've never been there, so I, I couldn't really comment on it. But apparently it's quite sh- relatively affordable, I mean, for the US at least, and has lots of other cool factors, good weather, good internet, that kind of stuff. But if you are looking to move, most likely you'll be looking to move outside of the US if you're from there. And the closest country is probably somewhere like Mexico, and you can go somewhere like I would avoid Cancun, but go somewhere like Playa del Carmen, or I mean, there's a bunch of cities in Mexico which are pretty safe, actually, despite what you may have read on Fox News about <laughs> drug lords and cartels and all that kind of stuff. But according to Fox News, France is also a no-go zone, so you know. Yeah, London too. So, <laughs> so it's okay. So. Yeah, consider these kind of places. I've been to Playa del Carmen. It's really nice, really nice town. I know someone who spends a lot of time there every year, so he recommends it. In the sort of Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on which version of English you're using, <laughs> Costa Rica is rated quite highly. I haven't been there. Yeah. Panama is also rated very highly, and I've I've heard it's super cheap there. There's a lot of expats there. Like a lot of people actually from the U.S. kind of retire there or. Kind of semi-retire there, 
So yeah, heard very good things about that. Yeah, um, Matthew not- Edwards actually lived in lives in Costa Rica. Uh, he really likes it. Okay, cool. And is there like a big community out there? Do you know? I mean, it, it's not nearly as big as like Asia okay. or, or even here. But, but it's, the thing is, like, it's a it's, it's just spread out, and people rent big villas in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, I heard it's pretty good. Okay. In terms of South America, the places to generally, I've heard to avoid Brazil or most places in Brazil, certainly Rio, because it's very expensive, apparently. I haven't been there. I've heard Argentina and Chile are really good. Buenos Aires and Santiago, two awesome places. Again, very, very cheap to live in. Argentina had a particularly bad economic run recently so yeah i mean one of our authority hacker pro members josh from uh, expert photography was posting this amazing with steak and eggs and stuff and just saying it costed him seven dollars yeah it's like it looked amazing so i kind of want to go now yeah and the thing to remember with with like the southern hemisphere is when it's winter in the northern hemisphere so when it's winter in like europe or the u.s it's summer down there so you can actually, if you're going there for a few months, you can actually avoid winter by just perpetually traveling. So that's something to think about as well. I know a lot of people have been to Medellin in Colombia, which is apparently very, very safe now. Nothing like it used to be um, with, in the Pablo Escobar days. I, I literally watched a TV show, so it makes me laugh, actually. <laughs> it's also very affordable, very cheap. And the other one is Quito in Ecuador, I think it is. Which I've heard is uh, also, also yeah, very... Yeah, it's only $1,100 per month for a digital nomad right here, which yeah. is pretty cheap. But they, they actually rate the safety as like average. So, okay. uh, I mean, it looks cheap, but yeah, I mean, Latin America. To put it into perspective, like if the, the safety is rated as average, okay. that's still good because actually most cities in the US are rated as below average. Yeah, true, true. So, but actually, I'm just seeing that Hong Kong is also average when it's like super safe, you know? Yeah. So fair enough, you know, it's probably safe. Yeah. So then moving over to Europe, Europe can get cold in the winter. So unless you're living somewhere long term like we are, then you might want to be spending like the summers in winter, summers in Europe, sorry. Yeah, Um, I mean, if you go to like Greece or something, I guess it's not so bad, you know. Well, Uh, it's snowing there now, so. Okay, well, okay, I take it back. (laughs) So... In terms of Europe, I would generally suggest of Southern Europe, like Spain and Portugal, very nice. In the summer, it's gorgeous weather. Yeah. Very, very cheap. And it's quite sort of modern, but it has lots of like very good food and wine and lots of culture there. And it's. Yeah, that's the thing with Europe. There's two things with Europe. First, food is amazing. And second, the ratio US dollar to euro is the best it has ever been in the history of euro existing. Now it's like one euro equals one dollar. So you get like 30% more in Europe than you used to get like two years ago or something. Yeah. So you should take advantage of that if you are from the US. Yeah. And the euro is like pretty doing pretty badly right now. So even if you're from the UK or somewhere else, then think about moving to, to Europe. So yeah, I really liked Barcelona, although there seems to be a lot of pickpockets there. But as a city, it's like a huge city on the beach, which very rarely happens anywhere in the world. Besides, sort of Miami, so it Buenos has. Aires? Buenos Aires is not on the beach. Uh, it's on the it's on the sea. Is it? Yeah, man. I'm actually <laughs> I'm checking this right All now. Right, guys, just sure. hold on. Mark's googling stuff. Wow, I had no idea. Well, that was uh, everyone learned something today. Interesting. I used to be really good at geography as well. 
So anyway, in terms of the rest of Europe, looking more like you want to avoid North and Northwest Europe. So like France, UK, Norway, Sweden, Germany, Denmark, these places can be quite expensive. Netherlands also. Netherlands is a nice place, a very yeah, high but it's expensive. Living, but super expensive. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Um, like uh, it's like you need like so, three, four thousand euros a month. In yeah. So think in terms of East, think of Prague, Budapest, Tallinn in Estonia, and Kiev in Ukraine. Kiev of, is by far the cheapest of those. Budapest is probably the second cheapest. And then Tallinn and Prague are a little bit more expensive, but still very affordable. The weather in winter in all these four cities gets pretty damn cold. It's like minus 15 in Kiev right now. It's minus five here right now as well. So. Yeah, and that's centigrade. So oh, yeah. it's pretty damn cold. If it was Fahrenheit, we'd be in deep shit right now. Yeah. But in the summer, the, these places are absolutely gorgeous. Um, it's very easy to get by with just English, especially in Budapest, Prague, and Tallinn. Even Kiev, it's not that difficult. And yeah, you can just have a really, really good good lifestyle here. Parties are awesome as well, if you're into that kind of thing. There's a lot of music festivals and that around here. So It's really what you want to make of it, right? It's like you can party, but you can also live a very healthy lifestyle. There's like all these spas and it's a thermal city, etc. There's like, yeah. you really make what you want of it. And you make what you want of it for very cheap. As I said earlier, like my personal cost to live for two people is like 1,800 something dollars. And that's like an upgraded lifestyle. So it's pretty cheap. Yeah. And then in, it's not really Europe, but you could you can kind of count it as close by, is Morocco in North Africa. I've been there. It's amazing, really cool place to visit. And I know there's quite a lot of people who spend a few months there at a time doing the like nomad lifestyle kind of thing. Yeah, very, very affordable. And apparently they have really good internet there as well. So, yeah. There's a lot of startups there, yeah. French. Yeah. And then in Asia... This is probably the most popular place to go to. In, it would be like Thailand. Interesting fact, but in after Spain, Thailand has the second most amount of British tourists every year. I mean, considering it's like a 14-hour flight from the UK, that kind of crazy, puts it yeah. into perspective. There's a lot of tourism there. One thing I want to say as well is like for having been in both places a lot, it's like I actually find Budapest pretty much cheaper than Thailand at this point. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's like people imagine that Europe is, you know, that Thailand well, is the cheapest place, etc. Because it it was for a while, right? But because of currencies moving and the country developing and a lot of inflation in Asia, it's actually like cent Central and Eastern Europe becomes is actually cheaper than Asia in I think, most cases. I think it was cheaper than Bangkok, but if you live in Chiang Mai long term, yeah, maybe it's going to be cheaper. A little bit, not a lot. I, I'd say like 30, 40% cheaper. Cool. Eh, Quite a lot. Sure. If you're living there long term. You can uh, have a rent at like $250 here. Yeah. Okay, but does it mean like there's renting somewhere and then there's like. I mean, same in Chiang Mai though. Yeah, I know, but if you're renting somewhere for $250 in a 12 month contract in Chiang Mai, you get somewhere nice. Uh, not you really. don't get somewhere nice here. For a 12 month contract, you do. I looked at it. Trust okay, me. Okay, fair enough. So Thailand has a lot of places. Like Bangkok is a massive city. It's quite expensive, relatively speaking. Still way cheaper than anywhere in the U.S. And you will think it like everything's free if you go there for the first time. Yeah. There's also like the a lot of the islands in the south, like Phuket and Koh Samui and Koh Phangan, and these places. Very very nice places to live. Very nice weather. 
just generally awesome places. And yeah, I highly recommend checking some of those out. Outside of Thailand, Vietnam is a very popular place. It's, it's a lot cheaper. And it's, yeah. it's a bit more sort of like busy. It's rough on the edges as well, I would say, you know? Yeah. But there are, I mean, you can get some very affordable um, places there to stay. And the cost of living there is really, it's its nothing. And the internet is surprisingly good, actually. I was there like a year and a half ago. I was like, the internet was actually good. I was very surprised. Everywhere. I could just use the internet, no problem. Yeah, we have quite a few Authority Hacker Pro subscribers in, in Vietnam at the moment. Some who live there permanently and some who sort of spend six months of the year there. But I've only heard good things about the place. I've been there on holiday a couple times myself and a good time, so... Yeah, that's one to check out. Further around Southeast Asia, Malaysia and Indonesia are interesting options. Malaysia is quite well developed, so it can be a little bit more expensive yeah. depending on, on where you stay. Indonesia can be very cheap depending on which part or also very expensive depending on which part you stay in. You know, you might have to contend with a lot of drunk Australian tourists if you spend <laughs> in certain parts of Bali. But aside from if you choose the right area, it's it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, uh, they're Muslim countries as well. It's something to note. So I mean, the, the laws are a little bit different, and alcohol is more expensive mostly. You know, they're Muslim countries, but they're not what they're tourist friendly too. Would think as a Muslim, they're not like Saudi Arabia. No, or, no, no, they're tourist friendly. They're like you can still pretty much do what you want there, and you can buy alcohol, and it's not a problem. It's just more expensive, essentially. Yeah, there's an infidel tax, I think they call it. Yeah, um, <laughs> double the so, price of it, basically. So. Aside further in Asia, still you have like Japan, Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong. These are essentially first world cities. They're sort of the same price as London or yeah. New York. Singapore is um, very expensive. Yeah, it's like twenty dollars for a bottle of Heineken in a club in Singapore. So I wouldn't. And accommodations like you're spending three, four. It's the same as London for Singapore, yeah. I think it's more expensive than London. It's very safe. Like, uh, I must say, it's a very safe city. If if you're making a lot of money and you want a cool place in Asia to stay where you want to be productive and you don't care about dropping $4,000, $5,000 a month in your cost of living, it's it's not a bad choice because you can travel around and have these adventures but then have a very, very safe and and uh, you know productive environment but uh, yeah it is very expensive it's basically first world yeah and then the rest of the world really i mean africa is not really the place to go there are a few options but honestly i just don't know enough about about i've only really ever been to morocco and south africa so i can't really comment on that and i don't see too many african cities and no. nomad list it's but, probably something that's going to come up in the next like 10 years or something you know yeah but Australia and New Zealand and sort of around that part of the the world are, are worth considering. Australia is quite expensive, like really actually very expensive. But it's also, you have a lot of very nice cities on the beach and like kind of good sort of lifestyle if you if you can afford it. New Zealand's actually surprisingly, surprisingly cheap, surprisingly affordable. And it's very similar to like the UK in terms of like the landscape and the weather and you know everyone speaks english and it, it can the be quite a, like the uk i'm not going <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> it does rain a lot there okay but yeah i mean it's you, you've seen new zealand and if you've seen lord of the rings and it, yeah. it's quite quite a nice place 
So yeah, that's pretty much it for places to live. As I said, these are just ideas. You got to do. Let's a just lot give of like one place per continent. Like, where would you go if you lived in North America? North America, probably go to Playa del Carmen in Mexico. Okay. South America, Buenos Aires in Argentina. Europe, Budapest in Hungary. Asia. I'd go to Thailand actually. Probably Chiang Mai in Thailand. Yeah. And then rest of the world, Christchurch in New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's where you guys should go. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, yeah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to have the show notes and all the sites we talked about, Numbeo and Nomads List and so on, you go on authorityhacker.com slash 17 and you'll find everything there. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.